First and foremost, hire for culture. Uh, your first employees in particular are the seeds of the culture you're trying to create. It's so finding the right people with the right attitude, uh, people that you want to work with every day is really the first thing you have to look at. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Anthony, and you are listening to episode 101. We've made it to the other side of 100, and I am super excited to get this next 100 episodes going. So today's episode was really interesting. I feel like we've, I haven't had anybody really on it to talk about talent finding and management for your company. So Forrest is the co-founder of Jobber, which is an award-winning platform that helps small home service services businesses organize their entire operations. Forrest shares his journey of starting Jobber after his first failed startup, and he talks about the lessons that he learned from that experience and how he has applied them to starting his second company. He talks about why you should narrow your focus on a niche before you decide to expand. We talk about hiring your first employee, what they looked for at Jobber, and why hiring for culture was and still is so important to them. I think it gives a good inside look into what small business owners or entrepreneurs who are looking for their first hire should really think about before they hire people. Forrest gives a really good description and explanation of how they chose who to hire and how they have grown their company um, from that first employee to hundreds of employees and how they have kept their culture the same based on looking for those types of people before they even hired them. Um, Forrest shares why building culture deliberately is so important, why it's worth the work that goes into it, and some practical tips for business owners in terms of hiring and building that culture. So let's get into it. This is a great episode, especially for small business owners listening. Um, this is Forrest. Let's get started. Do you want to introduce yourself and give a fun fact? Sure. Uh, so my name's Forrest Zeisler. I'm the CTO and founder here at Jobber. I uh, run the product management, product design, and uh, product engineering parts of the business. So basically, it's my job to uh, make sure what we're building is uh, doing what uh, we need it to do. And see, for a fun fact, since we've crossed seven employees, uh, or the largest company I ever worked at before this was seven employees. So since we crossed that point, every week you talk with me, it's the largest company I've ever worked at. Uh, <laughs> so I'm on quite the adventure right now. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and that is definitely what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, do you want to take us through the journey of how you got here? So like, what did you take in school um, and what was your initial plan for your career? Absolutely. I went to engineering at uh, the University of Alberta. I was trying to decide between hardware and software, ended up 
deciding software because I got tired of burning my fingers on soldering irons. And I had originally, like as I went through university, intended to be an academic. Uh, I'd been accepted to a master's in machine learning. Uh, and I really thought that I was going down the path of academia when just before I graduated uh, from my undergrad, in the last few months, I came down with some health issues and had to put my plans on hold. Uh, and I went back, or I had to drop a few courses and then go back next year uh, to finish three classes. And a whole year, three classes, it made sense to get a job while I was finishing up school. And once I was actually in the workforce for the first time, uh, I found it very exciting, uh, that pace of solutioning where instead of spending a week or a month or years working on a single really deep problem, you know, every few hours you're dealing with a new issue, a new problem. Uh, you could talk to a customer in the morning, they tell you what's not working, you spend some day, the day writing code, you ship it in the afternoon and you're hearing uh, in the evening that it is actually helping their businesses be more successful. And that was just so addictive that I never made it back. I mean, that's a good enough reason to, uh, to keep going. And so what was your, were you at like a tech company and then you decided you wanted to start your own company or where, what was like the thought process for starting your own company? Cause I know that's a huge step for a lot of people. Sure. It's, I never really set out with the intention of building businesses. Uh, after university, I worked at a small consulting company for a short period of time, uh, at which point the owner of that company, who'd been thinking about an idea uh, for a piece of software, came to me and asked if I wanted to like, help make that a reality. Uh, so joined him as a minority co-founder, uh, and we worked on that idea for a couple years. In the end, it didn't work out and we had to part ways, but that, you know, I didn't go off looking for an idea for my very first startup. I, you know, the idea came to me and I just got excited and went for it. And I think the second st startup, uh, was very similar. After my first startup crashed and burned, uh, had a lot of learnings, uh, really enjoyed, like really valued the experience, uh, even though it ended up uh, being an emotional roller coaster. I spent the next uh, six months freelancing. Uh, and while I was freelancing, I'd work at coffee shops. That's very common for software developers to work at a coffee shops. And I kept seeing similar faces and you start up conversations with other people working there. And one of the people who frequented a coffee shop that I would work at, his name was Sam Pillar. He was also a freelance developer and he'd been doing some work for a small service business, uh, building some very niche internal products for them, but it gave him some insights into the struggles that a business goes through on a day-to-day -day basis. He, you know, had been working on this idea and mentioned it to me, and I got very excited because just two weeks earlier, 
a friend of mine who worked for a painting company approached me asking if I knew any software that might be a good fit for their business. So suddenly we had, you know, two different small home service businesses that uh, both had a similar set of problems, a similar need for software. Uh, and yeah, one thing just led to another. We got very excited, spent the weekend hacking away at a prototype. And on Monday we decided to start a business. Wow. <laughs> you make it sound easy when you're just like, yeah, we woke up and now we have a business. Yeah. It's uh, seeing it's the easiest part of starting a business. Totally. But it's also the first step of starting a business. So. Yeah. So it's i uh, I've never been one of those people where it's, I really wanted to have a business. I just like solving problems for people. And uh, a couple times now those problems have turned to, to problems that were common enough problems that, uh, the best way to help as many businesses as possible was to form a business. Right. And I think that is also very common, especially in a technology driven world that if one person has the problem, probably everyone has a problem. Cause kind of like when you're in class and someone asks a question and it turns out that everyone had the same question, just nobody wanted to ask it. Absolutely. You can solve a million separate problems for a million different companies, or you can find one problem that they all have in common and uh, solve it for all of them. And right. that's what Jobber does. No, that's awesome. And so just to go back a little bit, um, what were some of the lessons that you learned from the first startup that didn't work that you applied when you were starting um, Jobber? It's... <laughs> It's, uh, we don't have a long enough podcast for that one. <laughs> okay, top three. <laughs> it's for that particular business. I definitely don't think that every business is right for venture capital. I don't think every business, uh, like there are lots of different types of businesses. For that particular one, we had decided not to go down the venture capital path, which uh, for, for a number of reasons, I think we were a little nervous about what that meant, uh, the idea of giving up some of the business. But as a result, we were bootstrapping and it took us two and a half years to get our product to market. And the opening that we saw in the market when we began had been flooded with other companies by the time we actually got there. So we just moved very slowly. I think another big problem is once we realized that we didn't have the product market fit, we just kept adding more features. We tried to go broader when in hindsight, what I've learned is you go narrow, you find a sliver of people where it really does work. You know, you target in, focus on a niche, find success somewhere, and then you start working out. We just kept adding more and more features and the product became Cludgier and more complicated and harder to explain. Uh, so we just dug the hole deeper for ourselves in hindsight. And so you applied that then to Jobber. And so did you find you had less challenges and obstacles since you had that experience, or did you just have new challenges that you had to uh, solve? Uh, new challenges. It's it's uh, every every day a hundred things will land on your desk and if you can solve one quick then uh, you just spend more time on the next challenge right and 
if you want to just, we've mentioned Jobber now that you've started it, and do you want to just give a quick elevator pitch on what Jobber does for people who don't know? Absolutely. Jobber's award-winning business management software for home service businesses. So we help more than 50 industries, including lawn care, plumbing, HVAC, and residential cleaning, run their businesses better. Uh, that means everything from quoting and scheduling to invoicing and getting paid. It's all in one workflow. Awesome. Um, and you mentioned that once you passed the seven employee mark, you are now working at the biggest company that you've worked at. And a lot of people who listen, I get a lot of questions. People want to know how to hire people and how to create company culture and kind of get into that. And I think you're the perfect person since you grew um, your company. So do you want to just talk about how you knew you had to make your first hire and what that process was like? Uh, absolutely. So we were at a stage where we had some customers paying us uh, some good signal in the market about what was working, but also a huge backlog of things that we knew uh, we wanted to do. It's When you're that small, you don't really know for sure that anything is the right idea, but we had some good, strong anecdotal signals from our customers. And they're just, we weren't able to move fast enough. It was time to start uh, moving a little faster. So we went out and uh, started looking to hire. This is shortly after our first round of fundraising. We spent a couple of years not having anybody. It was just the two of us. Uh, but then when we did go out and uh, raise some money and we had these strong signals, it just felt like it was time uh, for Jobber to get its first employee. The funny thing is once he, we had the money, we had the need, it turns out it's still really hard to hire. Uh, we thought having a VC name behind us would be a really strong signal, but we still came off sort of like two crazy guys with a dream. So we had to uh, work really hard to find that first employee. Uh, it did make, things felt very different. Uh, Afterwards, in some ways, we had to do suddenly payroll and taxes, uh, you know, buying more equipment. We actually had to have an office. It was a very different experience, but a very rewarding one. And what did you look for for your first hire? Were you looking for someone to do everything? Do you have specific skills in mind or how, what's the best option because I know like you said you have to then start paying people you have to delegate tasks so is it from your opinion is it better to hire someone first to just be able to do everything or do something specific I'm a first and foremost hire for culture uh, your first employees in particular are the seeds of the culture you're trying to create. It's so finding the right people with the right attitude, uh, people that you want to work with every day is really the first thing you have to look at. Don't compromise on the first employees. I know it's tough. You don't have a lot of money. Uh, you don't have a lot of proof. It's there's a lot of risk joining a forming business, but so, so it's very easy to just take the first competent person who agrees to hire or work with you, but you never compromise on quality. Uh, 
from there, I'm personally a big believer in like hustle and flexibility in those early days. Your company's so young, you don't know what you're really hiring for yet. Uh, find a general need. In our case, it was developer. We need somebody who could help us ship more code. But we, you know, our early developers, you're also picking up the phone, you're providing customer support, you're helping do grocery runs. There's almost nothing that isn't part of your early employees uh, day. So finding people who are excited and driven to do this kind of work and are flexible enough to do it all is really important. Definitely. And you did mention that you should hire for culture. And I feel like, especially these days, um, culture is huge for retaining employees and the overall success of a company. So from that moment where you hired somebody, how have you developed Jobber's culture um, and what advice would you have for business owners? It's a good question. I think it's one of the most important questions. And I think what's important is that you're very deliberate with the culture you're creating. Uh, you know, building a culture from scratch is a rare opportunity. And Sam and I took it very seriously with Jobber. Uh, most people in their lives get to choose a few different companies that they'll work for. And you go out and you look around and find the business that seems most compatible for you. But when you're forming a business, you get, you have that rare opportunity to make the perfect environment for you. Uh, the place where you want to go to work every day where that excites you, energizes you. Uh, so you find people that you want to learn from people that inspire you and bring them together. And if it's, the perfect place for you, chances are it's the perfect place for others as well. And I think that's uh, important. Cultural, the culture of your organization can't be an accident. And what are some of the things that you do to keep the culture aligned with what you want? Because I'm sure the more employees you get, um, it can get out of hand really quickly if there's strong personalities or just an overall like feeling in the organization. So how would you, what tips and tricks would you suggest to business owners for what they should be doing? So I say sitting down early on, maybe not the first two employees or like the, you know, the first one or two founders, but uh, very early on sitting down and deliberately deciding what you want your culture to be. Uh, Sam and I and the leadership team at Jobber got together and went through a real exercise to understand what values we prize, which uh, things really exemplified the environment we were trying to create. Uh, and we found that you know people who are humble, people who are supportive, people who really give a shit about what they're doing, those are the people that we want. And then we brought in practices around our interview process to really look for uh, people who add to the values and the culture of the company in the way that we want. We made sure we understood why we're building this business and then take every opportunity to 
reinforce that with the organization. So Jobber exists to help the people in small businesses be more successful. We put our customers front and center at everything we do here at Jobber. We have once a quarter customer panels where we bring in customers in front of the whole company and shut down the company so that we can ask them questions and talk to them and get to know them better. We have every piece of feedback from cancellation requests to app reviews to NPS surveys to just general, hey, I was talking to somebody and this is what I heard, all going through a single Slack channel that every employee is a part of. Everything we can do to reinforce the importance of why we're doing what we're doing is part of it. Finally, we, again, it's just about being deliberate. We have a lot of different practices we follow at Jobber, but we are always getting together as a leadership team and talking about it and trying different things and looking at what's working and what's not. Uh, but a lot of our leadership meetings are dedicate real time towards discussing and improving culture and not just how are we doing for sales this quarter? Right, because it would, you could argue that your sales are a reflection of the culture in your business. So keeping that as a priority is important for business owners because it's easy to get caught up in sales and the money and everything, but making sure that your employees are also happy helps with boosting those numbers. Yeah, I think uh, I'm a fan of uh, Patrick Lincioni. Uh, he's an author and a bit of a thought leader in organizational health. And he says that organizational health is the last true competitive advantage. When you have a, in, in a world where it's getting easier and easier to build things, information's flowing faster and faster, the health of your organization uh, is a true competitive advantage. And I really believe that. Absolutely. Um, and how, because you ex expanded, you're in Edmonton and Toronto, correct? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the expansion to Toronto forced us to think about a lot of our processes differently, but we've been very deliberate to make sure that it doesn't come off as like a small satellite office or um, a second thought. It's truly part of Jobber's DNA and part of our culture, uh, just as much as the Edmonton office. Half of our executive teams in Toronto, half our executive teams here in Edmonton. We fly people back and forth a lot, but uh, it really helps make sure that uh, we're staying together as a strong company. Right, yeah, and that was gonna be my question. If you found it challenging to start a new office in a different city and keep the same culture, or if it was easy because, as you just mentioned, you have the management on both sides, so you're able to communicate that. Uh, I won't say it was easy. Uh, I'm proud that we were so successful at it, but it was a lot of work. Um, both Sam and myself and other members of the leadership team frequently flew back and forth. We still fly back and forth. Uh, you know, Sam spends about a week of every month out there. I spend a week of every six weeks out there. Uh, the executives there are flying back just as frequently. So there's that's a lot of work and those you know, flights add up and the number of hours you're spending on planes and in travel add up, but it's worth it because it uh, 
has created an organization that we're really proud of and excited to be part of. Your business, you work obviously a lot with other businesses and small businesses. Um, so based on your clients and working with them, what are the biggest challenges and obstacles you see with them and what makes a small business successful in your opinion? <laughs> well, I mean, first off, being a business owner is hard, whether you're a solopreneur to 200 plus people. It's, uh, yeah, we talk to all kinds of business owners and every time the dedication, creativity, and uh, tenacity of our customers always blows me away. Uh, when you're a business owner, so many challenges come up that's you know, rarely the same two days in a row. Uh, obviously, you know, a universal thing I hear is uh, how there's never enough hours in the day. But after that, finding customers, delivering value, uh, hiring and like finding the right employees, getting paid is always uh, something that comes up a lot. Uh, administration, staying organized. You know, the, I hear it all and different businesses will struggle with different things at different stages. So it's, uh, I, I think the only real common thread is just how hard it is being a business owner. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and if you could go back starting your company, uh, is there anything that you would do differently? I think a lot of people, if they're starting a company, the best way to not make maybe the same mistakes as other people is to hear them. So it was there, is there anything else you would do differently for Jobber? <laughs> it's I'm really not one to worry about the path not taken because I'm pretty happy with where we've landed. Uh, I think for me, actually, I, if I had to start all over again, I try and forget most of what I've learned. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a very long and hard journey. And at the time I had some blissful ignorance. Success was always a month away. That was just one last feature, one last fix one new marketing campaign and all our problems were going to be solved. And I think that naivety kept me going through some of the hardest times. And if I was starting over and I knew that, you know, it would be 10 plus years and uh, we'd still be growing successful and I'm excited. But uh, if I knew just how long and hard that journey was going to be, I don't know if I'd uh, made it through. So that blissful ignorance was a real positive. Uh, in terms of other advice where I think we did it by mistake, but I would suggest other people do it intentionally is avoiding the echo chamber. Starting a business here in Edmonton, we don't have a strong software ecosystem like in Silicon Valley, for example. And there are always new startup trends and a lot of hype and you know a lot of you know showmanship down there that doesn't necessarily actually help you build better businesses. Uh, so up here, we didn't follow whatever trend was cool that day. We just, we weren't even aware of it. We just did things that made sense. And I think that actually got us really far. Uh, so if any of your listeners are in a larger startup market, making sure that you don't get 
caught up in it all and you just keep your heads down and grind through and do things that make sense and try and build a normal, healthy business uh, is really important. And I try and make sure that even though now I understand a bit more about what it's like to build a big business, I'd uh, try and approach it with a fresh set of eyes. And at what point during the jobber, like building it and creating it, at what point did you have the moment where you're like, I think we've made it. Like, I think this company is going to make it. Um, was it the number of employees you hired or was it just a feeling or what was, um, where was the, the moment that you realized that this was going to work? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll let you know when I have it. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, jobbers still, we've overcome a lot of hurdles. Uh, there have certainly been milestones that will always stick with me. Our, our first customer, um, our hundredth customer, crossing a hundred employees, uh, you know, our thousandth customers, uh, the very first time I venture capitalist who's like, these are people whose profession is trying to pick uh, the next winner and they were placing the bet on us. Like those are all very uh, impactful things that show that other people believe in what we're doing and other people are willing to uh, place their trust in uh, what Jobber's trying to accomplish. And those were all big meaningful moments, but we're just getting started. There's so much more to do when you look at the size of the market, despite our tens of thousands of customers and hundreds of employees, we're a fraction of a percent of the addressable market that's going to be coming online over the next few years. Uh, there are millions of businesses in North America that should be using a product just like Jobber that currently aren't using anything. And the market's changing fast by 2023, 60% of small businesses will be owned or operated by a millennial. And they're not picking up pen and paper to figure out how to run their business. The first thing they're doing is looking for technology just like Jobber. Uh, so there are many magnitudes ahead of us that we have to figure out how to overcome uh, and lots of challenges and risks ahead on that journey. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm proud of what we've accomplished, but certainly not uh, feeling like we've made it yet. And I think that's part of part of the the entrepreneur journey, which keeps it exciting. And obviously, why you started a company in the first place is to keep keep yourself challenged um, and inspired. That's uh, happy, but never satisfied is a good motto. Yes, totally. And I think a lot of people listening can relate to that. Um, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs? So maybe someone who is sitting at their office nine to five right now, but want to start their own company or get out of a traditional job. So, I mean, uh, I'll start by saying and reminding everyone uh, something I should have done at the very front of this, which is, uh, you know, take everything I'm saying with a huge grain of salt. My advice will be really good for if you could transport in time nine years into Edmonton and want to make a business for small service businesses, but uh, there's a huge 
survivorship bias. You know, a hundred companies could have tried to do things exactly the way I did, and I happened to be the one that won the lottery. Uh, so take it with a grain of salt. That being said, or so the way I think about it when it comes to starting new businesses is make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Don't form a new business because you just really like the idea of having a business. Don't do it for the money. Don't, I've spoken to people who are, you know, kind of in it for the ego. They want to be that fancy successful entrepreneur and uh, that lifestyle appeals to them. I think, don't think those motivations can really get you through everything you're going to have to go through to make this business work. Do it because there's a problem in the world that you think you can solve and you have a chance to create real value for real people. Uh, you know, I think you need that kind of deeper motivation uh, if you're going to succeed. The other thing is just really preparing yourself for that emotional roller coaster. I keep emphasizing it, uh, but a podcast for entrepreneurs, there's nothing more important to you know prepare for in your head. Uh, in my case, I think having a co-founder is critical. Sam and I, part of how Jobber has been successful is that Sam and I had each other as sort of emotional anchors. Uh, when one of us was having it really rough, maybe thinking that time to throw in the towel, the other one was there to, uh, you know, cheer, the, cheer, cheer us on. And be, having there as uh, emotional counterbalances has been really valuable to uh, get us through the tough times. You know, read and speak to as many people as possible about your business. Uh, like read about other businesses, talk to anybody who will listen about your business, what's working, what isn't. Uh, that support network is really key for your emotional stability. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm definitely making it sound challenging. I'm actually a very happy guy, but uh, I think, you know, if you can get scared off by a podcast talk like this, then you shouldn't be doing a business. <laughs> totally. And I think the people, if they are listening, then hopefully they have accepted that it will be challenging and that they want the challenge. But nice. I think, um, as you mentioned, I think a lot of people want to become entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs because it just seems cool. And so uh, I think that's, more of like self-awareness work and really figuring out why you'd want to start your own business as opposed to just because everyone is doing it on the internet. It looks really good in the movies. Totally. A <laughs> um, couple more questions for you. Of course. You obviously spend a lot of time with technology. You're helping other people with technology. So what do you do to disconnect from the world of technology and from work? Uh, I wouldn't say that's something I'm particularly successful at in my life. Uh, I have two wonderful little daughters. Uh, playing with them certainly helps me disconnect from technology a little bit, but when they go to bed, I'm back online, back at work. Uh, it's probably something I should work on in my life. 
I think everyone can probably work on that, but the first step is admitting it. So I think that you're on the right path. <laughs> and is there a book or podcast that you would recommend to listeners? So I'm a big believer in uh, like going out and reading and taking advantage of all the fantastic resources uh, out there for businesses, entrepreneurs, different people at different stages of a business definitely need different content. Uh, I personally, I've always liked biography, biographies and sort of business origin stories um, for a bit of inspiration and helping me understand what kind of leader I was, I hope to be when, uh, as we continue to grow. So everything from, the Steve Jobs and Jack Ma's to the Bezos, Ben Horowitz, Bill Campbell, lots of just great people out there who are all kinds of different leaders and getting exposure to all of them helps you, you know, what resonates with you and who you want to be. So you don't be, start pretending to be somebody you're not. Uh, when it comes to books, I think one that has been very valuable for Jobber is uh, The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Again, focus on organizational health and how to you know, build that culture in an organization that you can really be proud of. I'm always a fan of Jim Collins. He provides an interesting wide angle lens on uh, businesses sometimes. Uh, and yeah, new, new content's out there all the time. Uh, we live in a wonderful age where access to content is never the limiting factor. That is very true. And I'm just here helping add to the amount of content out there. <laughs> very true. Um, and where can people find you and connect with you and learn more about Jobber? So you can always go to our website getjobber.com, that's G-E-T-J-O-B-B-E-R.com, or look me up uh, for Zeisler on LinkedIn and shoot me a message. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on here and sharing your story and sharing uh, so many good nuggets of information for business owners. Well, thank you very much, Rachel.